I'd like for you to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, if you will. And today we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. The, the text for the whole series is 1 Chronicles 4 and verse 10, but we will look at 9 and 10 today. And I've titled, and this is in the prayer of Jabez, and we're, the title of the study or the message today is Obscure But Great. The first nine chapters of First Chronicles, are, they are the family tree of Israel. It's the genealogies of Israel. It's, it's the, um, uh, this is not really what anybody that I know of considers this to be the most exciting part of the Bible. It's, it's like reading uh, accountants books. It's a, uh, it's a log. It's a, um, it's, it's a, some, some sort of a, an audit of the, uh, <clears throat> the family of Israel and the, the lineage of, um, of Israel. Um, First Chronicles is, is not where most of us look to find the exciting stories of the Bible, certainly not in the first nine chapters. This is a part of the Bible that when you're reading your Bible through, some of you kind of skip through this or skim through this. Some people skip it all uh, <clears throat> together. That being said, it's not an important uh, part of the Bible. All Scripture is written uh, uh, is, is under the inspiration of God. It is written by God. Uh, and, and we should understand that it's an important book, even though it's not a bestseller in the pages of the Bible. The book of of Psalms and the books of, of Proverbs and, and Genesis and Ruth and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all get more face time, more reading time than does First Chronicles, especially the first nine chapters of First Chronicles. As the genealogy progresses, uh, one name after another appears with little distinction, and, and it's because we have a hard time oftentimes, but we, we just can't. Those names are so familiar to us. Um, there's uh, Asher, Tekoa, um, Hela, Zareth, Kaz, not Kaz, but Kaz, uh, Anab, uh, Zobeba, and it goes on and on and on. And they, they keep on going until we come to a man named Jabez. And when we get to a man named Jabez, it's, it's like everything slows down. And it stops for a couple of verses. And during those two verses, in Jabez or in, in First Chronicles, we see some distinction that Jabez has given and some information about him. It, was, it is enough information to cause us to look more closely. Now, think about this. you got all of these names. So-and-so begets so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And it goes on and on and on. And then it stops in verse 9 and says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Verse 10, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Now, here's a man who was obscure, but he was a great man. Uh, he's not Moses. He's not Abraham. 
He's not John the Baptist. He's not Noah. He's not the Apostle Paul. In fact, most people have not even thought much about him. Some of you have never heard of Jabez. Now, back in 2000, he became more popular because the well-known Christian writer, Bruce Wilkinson, wrote a book called The Prayer of Jabez. That was 16 years ago when he wrote that book, The Prayer of Jabez. And it was, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful little book. It's a tiny uh, little book. Jabez is, is something like the vice president of the United States. Uh, he's he's kind of there, but you don't think a lot about him. Um, Will Rogers made this. I think this is great. Will Rogers said, the man with the best job in the country is the vice president. All he has to do is get up every morning and say, how's the president? That's a... That's kind of Jabez's life, you know. He's kind of uh, in that kind of obscurity. <clears throat> However, his distinction in the genealogies of First Chronicles compels us to learn more about him. And let's just start out with this. His life started with one step backward. He began his life in reverse. Not in forward, but in reverse. His mother said, I bore him in pain. Now, that being said, every mother just about, I would think, could say something like that. But she made a particular point to point out the fact that he had been born in pain. Maybe there was a a hard childbirth. That'd be a logical explanation for what she had to say. Maybe she had a long labor. Maybe she was in labor for a very long, long time. Maybe he was born on the hottest day of the year. You know what I learned several years ago? I learned that long labor and hot days are no joking matter. I, uh, I found out that women have no sense of humor when they are great with child and the temperature is in the 90s or nearing 100 degrees. There's no sense of humor. I learned that a very hard and harsh way but uh, <clears throat> that I'll not share with you today. But, but maybe that was the case. That's why he was born in pain. It could be that he was a set, one of a set of twins. There are some twins in the Bible. Uh, you know, uh, the apostle Thomas, Thomas called Didymus. The reason he was called Didymus is because Didymus means twin. Thomas was a twin. It may be that uh, Jabez uh, had a a twin, but maybe that that twin died. Uh, She could have been a very small woman and this baby a very large baby. All of our babies were very, very large. Uh, We had a baby that, uh, I say we, (laughs) Jan, had a baby that weighed uh, nine pounds and uh, three ounce, two, uh, nine pounds, one ounce. What was, what was, uh, Matthew was nine pounds and something. I think he was nine something, but he was, that was pretty big. Uh, Nathan was 10 pounds, was it three and a half ounces? Four and a half ounces. Okay. You don't remember. Uh <clears throat> And then Paul was 10 pounds and 5 ounces. 
Paul was a big, he, how, how big old boy are you? Paul was a big old uh, <clears throat> boy. Uh, it could be that he was a very large baby and she was a small woman. Maybe he was born breech, feet first. It, it could be <clears throat> that her statement has nothing to do with the birth at all. It, it may be that there was something else. Maybe, maybe she was a single mom. Uh, that could be the reason that she said he was born in sorrow. It, it could be that Jabez was, was born and they weren't married uh, or she wasn't married. And that would have been a big, big problem in Old Testament time, a huge <clears throat> problem in Old Testament time. It could be that, that she was married and her husband died before Jabez was born. Maybe she didn't want Jabez. He said, preacher, that's a terrible thought. Oh, it's, it's a terrible thought, all right, but it's not something that's unusual to, to us. Um, there, there are a lot of unwanted children in this, this world. I don't know the statistics on abortion right now, but they're phenomenally high in the United States and, and <clears throat> worldwide. And then there are children that are born to parents that just don't want them, that just totally neglect them. One of the hardest things for me in some of the news that's coming on uh, regarding the various terrorist attacks and things like that went on in, in uh, uh, Nice, France, are the children. And, and I, I, it's hard for me to look on. There, there was, a, a, there was a, a picture of a, a, a child covered up. You didn't see the child, but a baby doll laying next to the, to the little um, thing that was covering up the child. Maybe... Jabez was an unwanted uh, child. Sometimes it's not the case of not wanting a child as much as it's just the situation that the child's going to be born to. Uh, Maybe a mom, and that's usually who it is, says that she can't raise the child under the circumstances of of life that she's in. You say, well, that's that's not very good faith if that's what you say. You should have faith to raise the child. Well, now you remember, uh, wasn't Moses' mother named Jochebed? And, and she didn't raise Moses because of things that were going on. And so she put him in a little small basket, a small craft, and, and floated him out into the water so that she could be found by, he could be found by women who would take care of him. I don't know all of these circumstances. We just don't know the reason that Jabez's mother felt so sorrowful, so much so that she said uh, that he was uh, born in pain, but, but she made it very clear that there was some serious pain associated with, uh, with Jabez's birth and Jabez's life. Now, did he know of these difficulties surrounding his birth and surrounding his early life? Well, I'm not sure, but I think it's possible. I think it's possible that Jabez was a man who was scarred for life. And, and here's why I say that. The meaning of the name Jabez is pain. She named her son Pain. Now, you might expect that of a WWE wrestler, but you don't expect that just of a child. We're going to name this child, this child Pain. So I would think that since he was named Pain, he knew that there were some, some difficulties surrounding his birth. He was given a name that would be a reminder to him every day that circumstances were not the way they should have been when he was born. Now, most of us 
have a, uh, a meaning for our name. There's supposed to be some kind of meaning. Sometimes I think they make those things up after the fact, but, but there's, we're supposed to have some kind of a, a meaning for the name. Some of you, when your babies were born, you, you got a, a baby book. Now you do internet searches. And I don't know that I'd search the internet for the name to your child, but you, you know, whatever, you can do it. Uh, sometimes there's a, a variation from one name to another. For, for instance, my name is Randall, R-A-N-D-A-L-L, Randall. Now, I can't find anything regarding what my name means, but I do know that it is a, a uh, derivation of the name Randolph. That's what Jerry Falwell used to call me. I would see Dr. Falwell. He'd say, hello, Randolph. Never call me Randy like everybody else or Randall, Brother Ray. Hey, you, preacher. Randolph, how you doing, Randolph? Doing fine, Dr. Falwell, how are you? Well, Randolph means shield wolf. Isn't that inspiring? Pastor shield wolf right here. If you were in medieval times and you had a you had a shield, that shield would have a wolf on it. And that would be me. You would be of the band of Randolph. And that's what that meant. Some of you are of the band of Randolph now. And uh, really not all that great. My wife's name is Janice. This is interesting. Did you know that your name is a derivative of the lady sitting beside you, the name Jane? Did you know that? It is a derivative of the name Jane. And Jane, did you know that your name is a derivative of the name John? That's interesting, isn't it? Don't raise your head. I'm not talking about an outdoor toilet. I'm talking about a good name. Janice, Jane, John. And John means, you ready for this? Yahweh. Yahweh is, is it, it actually means Yahweh or God is gracious. That's what your name means. Isn't that wonderful? So now when you go to a restaurant and people ask you, what is your name? You can say, my name is Jane. And they can say, what does it mean? God is gracious. You could say that. I hope you'll do that. The next time that we're somewhere to eat, I hope you'll do that. Jane, we were, I was with, uh, let me just tell this quick story, Jane. I was with Jane and Ronnie, Jan and I were in Boston, and we went to a place to eat, and the, I think it was uh, some seafood place, we're getting, I don't know if we're getting lobster or what we're getting, and, and the server walked to the table and asked what we would like to order, and Jane began to order, and the server began to back up and just look at her, and I looked up at her, and I said, would you like for me to interpret? She said, yes, please. And so I did. And, uh, but anyway, that's <laughs> now, now I've stirred something up. Jabez knew every day that he was not a happy delivery. He knew every day that his mother or something had gone wrong when he was born. Oh, here comes Jabez. Put a sign on his back, the kids might have said. There's, that guy's a pain. He always had a scar on his back. Now, had Jabez been born today, he would be looking for support groups. 
He'd be looking to have his rights protected and have special rights because of the stigma of his heritage. That's Jabez. He started off life one step backward. He was scarred for life, but he ended up being someone very special. The Bible says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. More honorable than his brothers. What does that mean? How do you find honor? Especially, how do we become more honorable than other people? Well, first of all, honor is not something that you take. It's not something that you demand. It's not something that's abducted. You just don't uh, you, you just don't say, hey, look, I'm honorable and you're going to treat me as honorable. That's not the way that, that that honor business works. Honor is given to you as a result of something else. Honor is bestowed upon you. You've heard me say more than once that if you have to keep reminding your workers that you're the boss, you may not be the boss. You may just think that you're the boss. Here's some verses that tell us how honor comes to a person. Now, they all have a common theme. Let me read four of them to you. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Proverbs 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. There are many verses about honor, but most of them bring us to a common theme of humility. That if you're going to find honor, there's some degree of humility that will be found in your life. If Jabez was more honorable than his brethren... He must have been more humble than his brethren. He must have had some humility about his life. Now, that's an interesting thing. And here's a, an interesting aside to Jabez, who is said to be more honorable than his brethren. What did he ask God to do for him? That's really what this series is about, and we're just kind of introducing you to it now. We're going to learn that he asked for four things, and each one of them were <clears throat> distinct blessings within themselves. He was going to ask for blessings, he was going to ask for growth, he was going to ask for comfort, and he was going to ask for protection. Now, anybody can ask for those things. There are many people who will ask for one of them, maybe two of them, but not many people are wise enough to ask for all four of them. But in his humility and in his wisdom, he asked for all four. It was the request for all four and the character demonstrated by Jabez that made it possible for God to do all that he asked. Have you ever wondered if God can trust you with what you're asking him for? You ever wonder if you can be trusted? You may ask God for something and then you walk away and you say, I wonder if I can, God can trust me with that. That tells us something else about Jabez. Not only was he humble, but his delight was, was in the Lord. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. God granted the prayer of Jabez, so Jabez must have been delighted in the Lord. When we delight in the Lord, then we can have our prayers answered, and God can trust, them with the, trust us with the answer. Our prayers are always answered. 
Remember when you pray to God, the answers are but three. Yes or no or wait a while, except whatever they be. Jabez received the desires of his heart, so he must have delighted in the Lord. The Bible says that we have not because we ask not. And maybe the reason that we don't ask is because we're not humble enough to ask. We're self-sufficient. It may be that we already know that our delight is not in the Lord, so our likelihood of receiving His blessings is not very good, so we just don't ask. A humble, honorable Jabez delighted in the Lord, and this probably helped him in this area too. He was ready to pray. One step backward, scarred for life, he was someone special who was ready to pray. Now, what does it mean to be ready to pray? Can't just anybody pray at just any time? Well, I think yes. I think that's the answer to that question is yes. I think that, that we can pray and, and, uh, and that there, we can pray at any time. But prayer is a serious conversation with God. It's a serious conversation with God for an expressed purpose, the purpose of having fellowship with Him and the purpose for making our request known. That's more than that. We conform to Him as we pray. But understand that God already knows what we need of before, what we have need of before we pray. So how can, can God meet our need? How can we meet God at the place that we're supposed to be in order for Him to hear our prayers as we want them heard? Let me give you five attitudes of prayer that Jabez must have had. He must have had these attitudes of prayer. First of all, it's contrition. We've kind of touched on that already. The contrition, the sense of humility, the sense of of being being, um, humbled before the Lord. 2 Chronicles 7.14, very famous verse of Scripture. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Tomorrow begins the Republican National Convention. The Republican National Convention will not heal our land. The Democratic National Convention will not heal our land. You know who's going to heal our land? God's going to heal our land. And what does God want? He wants us to be contrite before Him and to come before Him and say, God, please heal our land. This is not a message about the condition of our world or our country, but I will tell you, we are a long way from being in a good place in America. We are a long way away. But we have the assurance that God will respond to a contrite heart, that God will respond to us when we come before Him with a contrite spirit. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. God wants to hear and grant our prayers, but we have to get off our high horse. We can't come to God with the same haughty spirit that we live our lives with. Some of us live our lives pretty haughty, and we think we can go to God with that same haughty spirit, or somehow or another, live haughty in fake humility. You can't fake humility before God. There can be boldness, but don't mistake that for being brash or, or <clears throat> self-assertive. 
we are ready to pray when we humble our hearts and when we are wholehearted. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, when are you wholehearted in prayer? I'll tell you a time that I'm not particularly wholehearted. I'm just being honest. Praying at night isn't wholehearted for me. I pray at night, but the best time for me to pray is when I'm wide awake, not when I'm about to fall asleep. Usually when a prayer need presents itself, I stop immediately and pray. Usually I stop right then and there and and spend a time in prayer for that particular prayer need. And one of the reasons is because I don't want to run the risk of setting that aside and failing to remember later to pray. And I also want to have my whole heart into it. Regardless of what you're praying for, when you pray, be wholehearted, contrite and wholehearted. How do we pray? Then we should pray in faith. With a contrite heart, with our whole heart, we pray in faith. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and it will be yours. We're studying in the book of Hebrews right now on Wednesday night. And I hope you'll join us this Wednesday night as we continue our study in Hebrews. Here's what we find out in Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith. Jabez prayed, believing God. Also by faith, he prayed from a position of righteousness. Now, I'm not talking about our own self-righteousness. We don't have any self-righteousness. We mean the righteousness of God. And here's the reason that I know that he was a righteous man, because God answered his prayer. And God answers the prayer of those who are right in him and right with him. James 5, 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. The Bible teaches us that we are not righteous. We have no righteousness of of our own. However, in Jesus, we are made righteous. We are made right with the Father. On Wednesday night, we were talking about having the right to pray and that some people don't pray because they just think, well, I just, I I don't really have any right to pray. I live such a bad life. I live such a horrible life. It's just terrible. And, And I'm embarrassed if I try and pray. I don't have the right to pray. Nobody has the right to pray apart from praying in Jesus Christ. Nobody does. You haven't positioned yourself to have a right to pray or to be righteous before God. When we pray and God hears our prayers because of our righteousness, it's because of His righteousness. God answers His prayer and He answers the prayers of those who are right with Him. Here's the fifth and final thing. Obedience. He was ready to pray because of his contrition, his wholeheartedness, his faith, his righteousness, and his obedience. 1 John 3, 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandment and do as he pleases. This is one of the reasons we bless our children is because of obedience. Isn't it a lot easier, those of you who still have children at home, isn't it a lot easier to bless your children 
when they are obedient children? Isn't it a lot easier to, to bless your children when they're doing the right thing? At our house, and, and all our children are grown, but, but at our house, we've kind of fallen into a pattern with our children. When birthdays come around, we, we give a certain amount of money. We have been doing that for a long time now. And to be honest, they kind of expect it. And, and, and we just kind of do it. It's, it's not that we don't think about them, but it's something that we've just kind of fallen into. You know what I'm talking about. You, you get into those things, you kind of fall into those things. And so we give a, a certain amount of money to each one of our, our children. And, and uh, when they were younger, we didn't do that. When they were younger, we bought them birthday presents. We bought them gifts. We'd go to um, uh, Toys R Us and wherever it is that we would go, and we would we would buy things uh, for them. And it's a lot easier to shop for an obedient child than a disobedient child. If you're out there shopping and you're thinking about what a jerk your kid is, it's just really hard to shop for them. Oh, yes, I'd, I'd love for them to have this potato. <laughs> you know, I believe... that we are praying as a church for a lot of things. And I think that we should put ourselves in a position to be ready to pray. I think that you pray for your friends. I think you pray for your family. And I hope you're praying for your church. And when you pray, think about how you're praying. Are you praying like Jabez? With contrition? With your whole heart? praying in faith, right with God, obedient to Him? Now, what can we expect when we pray like this? Well, even an obscure man became great, and the reason was because he placed himself in a position to pray and have his prayer answered. And that's the same for us. When we're praying, something really big can happen. Like Jabez, we can be blessed of God. Go back and read verse 10 again, which is going to be our text for the next few weeks. Jabez called upon God, the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not uh, bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. In the weeks to come, we're going to see what Jabez requested. We'll see if they are requests that, that we should be making. Are they prayers that, that we should be making? And the bigger question is, are we in a place to pray? I've asked you to pray as a church. Are you in a place to pray? We don't have to be perfect to pray. If we have to be perfect to pray, none of us <clears throat> will pray. None of us can pray. But are we in a place to pray? There is a holiness about prayer that requires our best. It requires our all our complete faith in God. Let me close with this quote by Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, Prayer pulls the rope below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly. Others give but an occasional pluck at the rope. But he who wins with heaven is the man who grasped the rope boldly and pulls continuously 
with all of his might. Prayer.